This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your team's time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. Have you ever wondered, how does word travel about cybersecurity products? How do we get the right solutions and technology in front of the practitioners to do the work that is most impactful for them and their organization? That's where sales and marketing comes into place. They can make ideas and words travel very far. In this episode, we've brought in Nate Burke, Chief Marketing Officer at Axonius. Nate has been through several acquisitions and is now on his journey to the road of IPO. We work with Nate day in and day out, and it's great to have him on the podcast to get his perspective on some topics that we haven't had a chance to talk to him about yet. Enjoy this episode, and let's jump right into it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again in a live studio today (laughs) with one of our close friends now at this point. We've been speaking to this guy every single day. In the studio today, we have with us Nate Burke, Chief Marketing Officer at Exonius, also an all-around community service member that helps so many people. But today, we have the opportunity to speak to him. Welcome to the show, Nate. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me here in this little conference room in the office (laughs) in New York, in person. Yeah. First time. It's kind of a studio. Yeah, it is kind of a (laughs) studio. It is now. Yeah. No, you know, one of the great things about you is that you're one of those out of the box thinkers. And I think everybody in the industry can kind of see that. But before we get to all of that, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Sure. I won't go back to uh, all the way to upstate New York in 1979. I think I'll skip that. It'd be a very, very long podcast. So yeah, I'm I'm the chief marketing officer here at Exonius. This is my fifth startup. It's my third cybersecurity startup. It's also my third cybersecurity startup with Three guys that knew each other from the Israeli Defense Forces, mm. and in each case, first time CEO. So I've I've uh, been pretty decent at pattern recognition. <laughs> so the first one was a company called CloudLock. It was one of the first CASB solutions. They got acquired by Cisco, and the most recent was Hexadite, an early SOAR solution. We only existed for a year and a half before Microsoft acquired us, and now I am at the greatest. <laughs> Cybersecurity startup on the planet Earth, the fastest growing and the best people in the world, I believe. From my perspective, you have like two superpowers. One was the outside of the box thinking, like I mentioned. And two, I think, is that vulnerability because you really put yourself out there and try different things. Is that something that really started when you were much younger? Is that something that 
you have a, a story about that where you really found that in, within yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it all goes down to the idea of nothing is linear. And when I describe my career tra trajectory, it's really kind of, I force gumped this thing. Right? <laughs> so I went to school for marketing and immediately hated it. I hated it because I wasn't learning anything new. I took a sociology course and it was just like, this is it. I'm trying to understand how people act and, and work in groups. And it just like turned a light on for me. And I loved it. And so I, I was a sociology major. I graduated with a degree in sociology and cinema studies, which is Northeastern's version of film before everything went digital. Yeah. And so I was going to go get my PhD in sociology. Mm. And then um, it was, I, so I graduated in 2002. 2001 happened and everyone applied to grad schools. And I got into one of the programs I wanted, with, which was NYU, um, but I didn't get the uh, financial aid that I wanted. I wasn't about to pay for a PhD. So I said, I'll work for a little while. So I taught myself how to code while I was in college. And uh, so I was developing websites, PHP, MySQL. And so I ended up working as a developer for about six years. So I went from that and then figured out, you know what? A guy with a sociology degree that really likes being around people. <laughs> it's not so great being alone coding by myself with headphones on. Yep. And that's when I got into my first startup. And uh, that was the first and only startup that uh, failed, but that was an amazing experience. And after that, I went to another startup. This was what would eventually become Cloudlock. Mm -hmm. This company called Aprigo. You'll forget that. You should. <laughs> it was the founders' names, initials jumbled together. I rebranded that to Cloudlock and then things uh, started happening there. So it just went all over the place. And because of that, I, I really learned that things aren't going to be linear and you should just look at the opportunities that come to you, but also find other ways that are different from everyone else. And I think that is a key theme in cybersecurity and in tech in general is you see things that are just paint by numbers. And a lot of, I'm just doing this because everyone else does it. And to me, uh, my reaction is always to run fast the other way mm. and try things that no one's ever done before. Because and I know it's a cliche, but that's fine. Cliches are okay because they work sometimes. <laughs> if you want to do something no one's done before, you have to do new things. And, and I always am looking for something totally unique and out of the box that people will look at and say, I never would have thought about that. Yep. And that's what like gets me going every day. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> A man of many talents. You were doing the transition into coding before it was even cool. And that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, it was definitely not cool. And I got to be totally honest with you guys, I was not good at it. I mean, <laughs> it was a miracle that the sites I was building uh, were, were standing up. Um, they wouldn't today. I bet that if I showed you some code today, maybe you wouldn't be like an expert at like getting around it, but I think like your creativity is there enough to where you're like, okay, I'm going to figure out a way to read whatever's on this screen. Yeah. And I, I think the skill for that is language. So when I was growing up, um, I took both Spanish and French at the same time. And that's, that's to me how I understood code because it's just translation in your mind. Right. So I think I probably could, it wouldn't be great at it, but I, I think I could understand the concept because it's all language translation. And I think that is a key skill for anyone that's in programming, uh, anyone that's a developer. I think it really translates to understanding different languages. How good is your Spanish and your French? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible now. It's been a long time since I've used either one of them, but I think if I looked at it again, uh, speaking is a, a skill that, just goes away if you don't use it. But I think the mental part of if I saw it on paper, I'd probably pick it up again. 
one of the things that we know about you and that you t- kind of described already is that you put yourself out there and try new opportunities. But after you join the world of marketing, what are some of the crazy stories that you can tell to us about things that you tried that have worked or maybe not have worked like you thought? Yeah. So if, if Meg Berry is listening to this, she runs <laughs> demand gen here. She will tell every time, every time we're on a presentation, she has to bring this up to shame me and I'll, I'll shame myself. I do it plenty. Never give away a car. Mm. I promise you it's a terrible idea. <laughs> so we had this great idea and I still defend it to this day. I've got a reason for it. We were doing this giveaway and the idea was if you came by our booth at a trade show or if you did a demo or you signed up for something on our site, you'd be entered into this drawing. And at the end, we would give away this car. Now, what I didn't tell anyone because it was a secret was one of our customers is an amazing car company that will not be named here. Right. That amazing car company was had promised to be a reference to do a webinar with us to do a video. And at the last minute, they said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, so it ended up being something totally lame. Like what you see, you go to a mall and it's like, put your name on yeah. this thing and we're going to send you stuff. All. Yeah. So it was just this lifeless campaign. It was awful. We picked the winner. He didn't care about it at all. And, and so we just did nothing with it. So it was this huge campaign with a lot of people, a lot of time spent, and it was just a total dud. And I've got plenty of other examples of that. But that's the thing is like, if you don't try things like that, you never get a chance to get lucky. And so I think we've got some things that we have done well that required the risk and the ability to, to like take a big swing. And if it works, wonderful. If it doesn't, you move on. Right. What's that one win that was completely unexpected? You had no idea that it was coming down the pipe, but when it got there, you said, this is pretty freaking cool. So it's not a campaign, but I, I think this might be a good place to tell the RSA story. Yeah. So that is something that, that really put us on the map. So for those that don't know, I think most people here do, but at the RSA conference, obviously the biggest cybersecurity conference in the U.S. is the Innovation Sandbox. And the Innovation Sandbox picks the most innovative startup of the year. And hundreds apply and they pick generally 10 or so finalists. So I had applied at different companies before, never got in. Applied here, we got selected and that was already a win. And so you have three minutes to show 10 slides or less Mm -hmm. to a room of about 2,500 people and a panel of judges. Out of the 10, they pick a couple of finalists and then one winner. So... I was really excited we got picked. And then I had to come down to New York a bunch of times Mm -hmm. to practice with Dean. And we had a pretty tight three minutes uh, ready to go. And Dean practiced it a bunch of times. And so I think, all right, we're good to go. Dean, I will see you in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I go there early just to make sure the booth is all set up. This is like a little tiny booth, not what we're doing now. And uh, I get there early. I go out to one of our investors. They had a little party at, at his house. He's like, aren't you nervous about tomorrow? I'm like, why? All the work is done. It's all on Dean now. I don't have anything to do. Yeah. And they're like, but you're not at all like worried about this. I'm like it's, it's basically all done. There's nothing to even think about. And I was wrong. <laughs> uh, so I go back to the hotel and I get a text from Dean. And it's a text of a video of the de-icing of the wing on the plane. Mm. It's like, I am on the runway. I don't know if I'm going to get out of here. And then the next one was my flight just got canceled. And he said, 
there's no way I'm going to make it there in time or the, uh, you have to be there in the morning to do the, the rehearsal and the run through. Right. He's like, you're, you're just going to have to do it. Wow. And I swear, like you see in movies and videos and everything goes in slow motion. Yeah. Everything went yeah. into slow motion <laughs> and I could just feel the blood leave my face. Mm. Like, so I got to do this thing. Uh Oh, now if you know me, I am an over preparer. I'm the guy that like, if I got a flight, I'm going to be here three and a half hours early. Dean is the kind of guy that shows up 10 minutes early and never misses a flight. He just is the guy that can just wing it and is fine with that. I cannot do that. So I stayed up all night long in front of a mirror, just practicing over and over again, over and over again. So I get there in the morning. It's my turn to rehearse. It's an empty room, just a few other people. And I, oh, I mean, oh, I can't remember where I am. I'm stuttering. I don't know where to stand. It stunk. I mean, I'm not just saying it, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you can do it as many times as you want. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm done. And so I left because I thought it could only get better from here. <laughs> I got the terrible one out of the way. So I'm, I'm gone. And so I left and then I came back, did the best I could for three minutes. I think it was a, a, a pretty good presentation. Leave the stage. Then you have an hour to just sit there while they're deliberating. Yeah. They finally call us back. We have to sit down. The judge calls a name that didn't sound remotely like Exonia. So I didn't get up and everyone's looking over at, at me. And so I walk up there and I corrected him. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's Exonius. So he's like, go back and sit down and I'll do it again. So I go, and, leave, and, again, and this is in front of 2,500 people. Right. Some exponent of that watching it live. Mm-hmm. And so he does it again. So I come up and it's me and a guy from a company that does holomorphic encryption. And I'm like, it's pretty cool to be second place. Right. Um, and then, uh, you can see in the video, if you see it, you can see when they announce it, my knees drop. I don't know how I stayed vertical when they announced that we won. Mm-hmm. I did. It was just like the most unbelievable, un- most unbelievable thing ever. And as soon as I walked off the stage, my phone rang and it was someone from a fortune 500 customer yeah. that would never have t- taken our call before that Yeah, saying we need to meet now, went back to our hotel. We met with them. The next week we started a POC and they've been a customer ever since that Whoa. put us on the map. And that is like, if you, if you're going to sit on a plane with me for the rest of my life, I'll probably tell that story to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. And you know, we're big into storytelling. We've taken uh, some story coaching classes and I think you, you had a perfect hero's journey. Like right. you had to be subbed in, you overcame the adversity and you stepped into like the hero that you are and you won the show. If you saw it in a show, you'd be like, come on, that doesn't happen in real life. It did. It did. Happy endings are real. One of the things that I wanted to ask you also is you've had a lot of success at startups. You've done like the CMO thing. You've helped in many other ways with like being an auxiliary team member in some aspects. What are some of the tenants that you found for successful companies like that you'd want to be a part of? What are some of the things that we can look at that you'd recommend other people to look at also? So I think there's a couple of things, but the first one is you really need to live and identify the problem that the people you're selling to or marketing to face. And to me, like this was the the biggest luxury I've ever had in a marketing role at a startup because I got to join before we had a product. So I was here as the first U.S. employee. And just think of the the difference between if I call you and say, I just want to learn about how you experience this problem versus 
I've got this pro this product I want you to try. It's a totally different conversation. So I got to talk to a bunch of uh, security professionals about how they live this problem that we were intending to solve, not that we had a product to sell. And I really got to live it and understand it so that I could really position the story. And I feel like that's something that's missing in a lot of places. You just jump to tactics and you're saying, I'm going to do lead gen and I'm going to get the website up. And I'm going to, if you do that in the absence of understanding the problem, you do that with a story that doesn't resonate. And it really is all about story. And I think the best is when you don't even realize how much work went into the story. And our, like our original story and our original talk track is basically the same four years later, because it is all about understanding the problem as it exists and whether an approach could solve it. Because to me, I, if our slide deck is 10 slides, it's slide eight before we ever talk about Exonius whatsoever. Right. And I think that is something that's missed a lot. And just think of being on the other end of it, right? How many times have you been on the receiving end of a pitch and it's like, you, this guy is just going to plow through it <laughs> no matter what question I ask. And, you know, they, they know that they have to say your name every three seconds. Like, isn't that right, Nate? I know my name. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's get to it. But, and it's, you, I'll tell you, as soon as you see a deck that starts with a, an about our company slide, that is, oh man, you're in for 30 minutes of no fun uh, because it's all about them and it's not about you. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about this, about the idea of empathy. And I think it's real. I think a, a, a lot of companies claim to be company centric or really understand their audience, but without real empathy, you can tell the companies that are like this, my customer is an idiot if they don't buy this thing. You can feel it, right? But I think what we've done really well is we've led with empathy and we put that in everything we do. And um, I think that is a lost art. But if you get that right, then everything else is so much better. You get customers that love you, that want to talk about you, and, and you get employees that love being there. And I think it shows. Do you ever watch the Silicon Valley? Oh, of course. Okay. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And when you mentioned the, they have to say your name every few minutes type thing, it reminds me of the scene where uh, the guy is coming over to beat Richard up because he took the name and supposedly he has all this money. And they're like, hey, if you say your name, it humanizes you and he won't fight you. And then he comes in and they're all like saying their own name, like Jin Yang, Jin Yang. Yes, oh, yeah. man, I, I was dying. But what's really true about that is that human aspect. Like we care about the practitioner. We care about the human being, the people that are doing this work every single day. And that's why it resonated with us and why we thought like the partnership between us and Exonius and us becoming Exonius really made sense. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about that. Like what made you feel like that that was a gamble you were willing to take bringing on these two guys that have never done marketing in their entire lives, have been practitioners. They have a pretty cool podcast, but now they're creative directors at Exonius. Like what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. What was I thinking? Um, I was thinking that when we're talking about this idea of, of empathy and identifying with your customers and identifying with the people that you're, you're trying to get to understand what you do, wouldn't it be cool if you had people on your team that are the people that you're trying <laughs> to convince that you've got a solution for. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, I think I'm pretty technical and, and I think I can write about the problem. I've been in cybersecurity marketing for a while. So I think I, 
I'm pretty good at that, but I, I will never have the experience of people that have lived this mm. and to have people that really understand it, that can point out, this isn't going to work. This is, this is speaking the wrong language. This is the wrong approach. And that can call us on our ideas that are not good. That can say, you know what? You need to change this. That can look at our product from the inside out and, and decide how to make it approachable. But also the big thing is you understand what value we can create for the people that we want to have as our customers. And, and I talk about that a lot, which is in, instead of just selling a product, if you can create value, I don't care if you're not ready to buy today, tomorrow, it doesn't matter. All of that matters and it helps. And if you're seen as a company that can just create value for that community, then, then things will be great for you. I truly believe that even if that doesn't mean there's a transaction today. And, and I think having you guys on the team to help us understand how to do what we do better, but also to give back to this community. I mean, it was just a total no-brainer. I mean, I've said it before. I think I said it last night when we were at dinner. I got a Slack message about, have you ever thought about uh, acquiring a small media company? <laughs> and uh, my answer was, not until right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in a meeting and I looked over and I'm like, how do we make this happen? And then I immediately stopped the meeting, got on the phone with Dean and I'm like, I'm going to tell you something I'm going to do. And I want you to tell me how I can convince you to do it. I've got to say, we've, we've always had support from the, from the top down and um, Dean is receptive to my crazy ideas. And he's like, yeah, just talk to Jerry. Let's make it happen. <laughs> and I talked to Jerry and we made it happen. And so, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to have you guys on board. I'm, I'm really excited that we got to like meet in person, Yeah. Um, but we're going to do some amazing things together. And this is just the beginning of it. And man, it's really hard for me to not talk about. I know now. it's <laughs> so tough. You know, we are actually making history right now because even though our title is creative director and cybersecurity advocates, there has never really been a cybersecurity advocate that I've experienced, like someone that is all about helping an organization for one, but also helping people in the cybersecurity industry with their mindset, with their challenges that go beyond just the bits and bytes and focus on leadership. How do you even lead yourself and make the best decisions whether it's from a technology or a career or even a life perspective. And I think we're going to start seeing that pop up more and more as we just like continue on this journey. For sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot we can do. And I, I think we're also in a unique position. I, and I don't mean to make it sound like other companies do it wrong, but mm -hmm. because our product is so agnostic when it comes to all of the other tools that you're using, it just gives us a position to show people how they can make better use of the tools or, the, or enforce their controls or whatever, forgetting about our product. Mm -hmm. But our team has that experience to, to talk to people and show them, you know, best practices, how to nail compliance, all this other stuff that isn't a direct line to our product at all. But if we can help our customers or the community at large, like that's what we're here to do. And the other thing is like, we are not a company that is looking for an exit tomorrow. And I think if you're that kind of company that is looking at the short term, we're just going to get acquired we're not going to be around for long, then maybe you don't invest a hell of a lot in community in just providing value, but that's not us. I mean, mm -hmm. we do want, we want to be around for a long time. We want to be a big public independent company. Our stated goal is we want to be the fastest cybersecurity company ever to go from zero to IPO, but that's not the end. We want to keep this thing going. And, and several people have asked me recently, like, 
when you go public, you're going to be gone. Right. And my answer is why the hell would I ever leave this? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, this is so much fun. Yeah. And if you're saying you want to be big, independent and around for a long time, you can invest in the things that aren't a direct line to revenue. And we get to do that. And I, I was, we were in a meeting yesterday and Katie, who runs Rand for us, we're in this meeting doing this crazy secret project that's going to be amazing, I promise you. And I just looked around the room. Uh, I saw Chris, I saw Ron, and I saw a bunch of people on, on this other team. And I just stopped for a second. I grabbed Katie's notebook and I wrote a viewers in it, shut it and handed to her. And it just said, we get paid for doing this. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I'm like, is this real? Right. You really get to do this? But right. It is. This is a dream. And uh, it's just been amazing. Yeah. I'm, and I told you, it, it sounds like a vanity project, but I almost, I really felt like we should had a video crew to like walk into the actual video crew just to like, just capture this entire process because I, I've never seen this anywhere. To be honest with you, I, number one, I can't believe I'm a part of it either. I can't believe I'm on a marketing team for one, which is incredible, but I feel like I'm home to be honest with you, because I finally get to combine those two parts of my individuality of my being that technical side and that people side, because a lot of times I had to subdue that people side because I had to be technical. I had to be the expert. I had to know what to do when the incident happens. I had to know how to hire people, but now I can combine both of them and I can inspire people. And it doesn't have to be firefighting, which has been a complete breath of fresh air, especially for me. But one thing I did want to ask you is with all the things that we're doing today, how can it continue to go up? Because right now we're doing some things that I know everybody's like, come on, just tell us what it is. We're doing some things that I think no one has even thought of in cybersecurity and technology and in marketing in general. So how do you continue to keep this momentum and even do more? So uh, my answer to that is a pretty simple one. And I, I realized this just a couple of weeks ago. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I think it's stuck to my monitor right now, which is I have figured out that I am completely addicted to the reaction of people seeing what we do and say, holy shit, I had no idea that this could be done. Mm-hmm. And so far from the beginning till now, I've never run up against the wall of, I can't think of the next crazy thing we're going to do to 10X this. Right. And I also think we've got the team that can do that. So to me, once we do this thing that we're teasing people, <laughs> please just tell me about Yeah. There will be a next one and there will be a next one mm-hmm. because there always is. And I think uniqueness compounds itself mm. and for better or for worse, you keep raising the bar. It's like, you know, you're given the, the, the dopamine hit, you're right? but you're looking for the next one. And to me, it's like, we do something really unique. Great. Next one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe that's the wrong idea, but to me, it, we just keep raising the bar. And so far, um, I mean, there are mistakes along the way, sure. <laughs> but so far, we always find that next thing to reach for. And I think there is so much out there left to do. There's so many things that are totally unique we haven't even thought of yet. Mm. But I don't think we'll ever run out of those ideas. And um, I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we're like, well, our work is done. Right. So you're looking at a piece of paper and you're writing, Dear Nate. And this, <laughs> this letter is, <laughs> see yourself five years in the future. And you were writing a wish list of like things that you want to do in cybersecurity marketing. 
What are some of those things that you would write down on the piece of paper? Great question. So number one, and I'm writing this on an orange post-it mm. with a dark orange pen. I don't know if you're seeing a little bit of a... Bleeds, Exonia's colors. A pattern here. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm probably going to have to tell that story too. Yeah. So the first thing is we go public. So we, we did the unicorn announcement. That was super cool. Uh, but that's a precursor to us going public. That's, that's the first thing. That's the near-term thing. Uh, the second, which is probably more important to me, is I want to see the people on my team get promoted to see them grow. You know, one of my happiest moments was I was able to have one of my person that runs demand gen promoting her to VP. Yeah. That was, I think, to me, more satisfying than the winning the, the sandbox. And so I, I, I love to see that. I love to see people grow. I think everybody in this company does. So I think that's number two. Number three, I think it's just looking at the, the customers that we're helping. And so one of our customers, I can give this example because they're public uh, reference, um, which is uh, the New York Times. So New York Times is a customer. I had someone reach out to me. He's like, you know how Chrome has custom search engines? I do. Like, why don't you create something where we can make Exonius a custom search engine? So I just type Exonius and whatever IP address or whatever, and it just searches Exonius. So I said to our product team, we should do this. Two days later, I think, might've been a week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I get back to him. I'm like, it's all set. Here you go. He's like, get out of here. Wow. You couldn't, there's no way you did that. I'm like, yeah, no, we, let's try it out. My lot would be a weird lie. <laughs> but he's like, most times our vendors say, we'll get that in next quarter. You guys did it faster than anyone ever. Mm. And so we talk about our net promoter score. We talk about our reviews. I think it is like we have the most satisfied and the happiest customers. We do some big like user group and we have something globally there. And to me, having customers that love us, having a global team, being fully staffed all around the globe, that's, that's number three is seeing this thing to its logical conclusion and having a big global company that both employees and customers love. You got to tell the story about being able to bleed orange. <laughs> We're at RSA 2020. Yes, that's right. And we had this little tiny party. And it was, first of all, important for me to say, I had absolutely no alcohol whatsoever during RSA. It's important. It's foreshadowing. You'll see why in a second. And our SVP of sales said, once we hit a, a certain revenue, number, I'm going to get an Exonius tattoo. And so, well, if, if you do, I've got to do it. And then Dean, our CEO said, if you two get this, I've got to get it too. And so the next morning I said, Hey Joe, were you serious about that tattoo thing? He's like, Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? I was thinking, I, I kind of remember something about a tattoo. I'm like, Oh no, no, you, you said it. I said, I'd do it. And, and Dean said he'd do it. He's like, well, I guess I got to do it. <laughs> and so none of us had a tattoo before, none of us. Mm. And uh, so I'm thinking we got plenty of time. Like, I don't even have to worry about this for, for <laughs> a very, very long time. And of course I was wrong. Uh, and then we set up this WhatsApp group and the clock started ticking. And then Joe sent a picture, just said first in the water. Wow. And a picture of his arm with this, uh, with our logo on it. Said, Uh-oh, <laughs> I got to do this. And so I set up the appointment and I showed up. And it's uh, our, our mark, but also something in Hebrew underneath it. 
And I'm sitting in the chair and the tattooer said, wait a second, is this supposed to go left to right or right to left? And I was like, oh, oh I never even thought of that. Oh, man. So I immediately text Dean. I'm like, <laughs> is this the right way? He said, yes. Oh, wow. So get the tattoo. It didn't hurt at all. Like zero. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just like the adrenaline, but it didn't hurt at all. And then I stood up and looked at the mirror. And the only thing I could say is, that's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so now there are three human beings running, running around the face of the earth with this logo uh, on their body. It's never coming off. It's a rare group. It's a rare group. But one thing that I want to close with, there's someone that's listening to this podcast because, you know, we're a part of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. There are a lot of marketers out there that are struggling. They're dealing with companies that really want to stay focused on the tech and not so much the personas or the people or the practitioners. What is that one piece of advice that you could give to those marketers to rehumanize their work, rehumanize their brand, and take that next step into being visible in the marketplace? Yeah. So start with answering this question. With the hundreds, if not thousands of security companies out there with some exponent of number of tools out there, all going after the same people. What is the reason that the person that you're going after should stop what they're doing and listen to you and actually do something? They got in in the morning, the lights presumably came on. They're able to do their job without what you have. What is the reason that they should give you a second to consider what you have? If you can do that, by understanding how they live their day-to-day, -day, the challenges that they have, and can come up with a compelling reason that they should give you 30 seconds, a minute, three minutes, half an hour. That's where you start because no tech, no tools, no email campaign, none of that works without really understanding that because the lights came on, they didn't know you existed, the lights will go off, and everything will be fine. So it's not a matter of if you just had this, this tool, everything would be so much better in your life. Mm -hmm. You have to come up with the story first that matters. You have to show them value. You have to prove it. And then you can do all of the other stuff. But until you get that right, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. You'll occasionally get lucky. and You'll find someone that it's the perfect time for the problem they have right that second. But that doesn't scale at all. And the only way to get that right is to nail story and to understand how it fits into their life. I think this was a masterclass on how stories matter for ourselves, for our companies, for our marketing, for everything really under the sun. Nate, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you so much for joining us today. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the crazy things that we're doing, what are the best ways that people can do that? So uh, for me, it's LinkedIn because I just completely ignore Twitter. It's one of those things that's like, I've got Twitter debt. I don't even bother. <laughs> um, so for me, it's just LinkedIn. But you know, go to our, go to exonius.com to, to learn about what we're doing with our company, but you'll see pretty much everything on LinkedIn and um, you won't be able to avoid the things that we're talking about that are secret. They will be everywhere. You will probably get sick of us, uh, but that's okay. So uh, it will be hard to hide from Exonius in 2022. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. We'll be sure to drop your LinkedIn in the show notes and also how to learn more about all the things that we're doing. And we'll see everyone next time. If you enjoy our content, it would mean so much to us if you shared this episode on social media, told a friend, or wrote us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform.